If you are a powerful, impactful, influential leader, it is your job to create clarity even when you cannot see. The only true competitor in the infinite game is yourself. The leader of the team has to go first. So where do ideas come from? Welcome to Nordic Business Forum Audio, the podcast that empowers leaders to change the world. I'm Heli, and in this first episode, Marcus Buckingham highlights the need for leaders to understand that the people they're leading are unique. He also briefly talks about some of the false assumptions we generally have about work and performance. This interview is a recording from Nordic Business Forum Helsinki in 2018. Enjoy. My name is Marcus Buckingham. Do take a seat, Marcus. Uh, best-selling author of numerous books, including Find Your Edge, Win at Work, and founder of the Strength Revolution Movement, which is all about getting people to find their strength. So welcome. Um, now, Marcus, a lot of people watching uh, may have seen your talk. Others won't have done. Uh, there's people watching us on the Facebook live stream. On do you the want to do it again? Affair. No, but I would like you to pick up on some of the highlights. It was very sure. good. I liked your uh, British jokes, I have to say that, as a, <laughs> as a fellow Brit. Um, so really your focus is on how leaders can help to cultivate employees' strengths. What are the key issues? Well, I think the... Uh, hi, by the way, everybody here. <laughs> How are you doing? I don't know what cameras we're looking into, but... <laughs> Just look at me, but it's great that you said hi to the audience. It's great there's so many people here. Hi, I audience. think that's a testament to the impact that your speech made earlier. Um, yeah, I think the thing is that uh, we build companies around the idea that human uniqueness is a problem. When we define uh, models of how we should behave, competency models or goals or leadership traits we're all supposed to have, the underlying principle is that each individual's uniqueness needs to be changed, eradicated. And yet, the best, and you can see why, like it's just kind of annoying for companies to have 100 people and they're all different. It would be just easier if everyone was motivated by the same things and had the same style, same way of thinking. It would just be easier. Um, and yet, the best team leaders realize that, that that kind of homogeneity doesn't help. You need lots of different people to get some sort of uniqueness from each person. And that unique combination of contribution turns into really great performance. Um, so yes, my whole focus today was uh, uh, human nature's power is that each human's nature is unique. Mm. And we can either fight against, I don't mean unique in terms of race, gender, age, although that's important. I mean simply unique in terms of what drives you or how you think or how you learn or what kind of recognition you like, how you build relationships how confrontative you are, etc. Those kinds of things are really important if we're going to engage with the whole person. And looking at your research, you can see the value in that. You're obviously working with companies that do that. You mentioned that there are some leaders that want to do that, but what percentage are we looking at? I mean, how many people are actually lucky enough to work for companies that prioritize this? So we, um, we ask uh, a whole load of engagement questions every year. Just came out of the field with a 19-country study used a whole bunch of questions to figure out what people's feelings were about work, but there was a core group of them all about, do you think you have a chance at work to use your strengths productively? Just some simple questions. And the number from that, you can see that the number is between 16 and 18%. There's one company at 23% that I need to learn more about, but it's basically 16 to 18% of us think we have a chance to express what is unique and powerful at work. And I think that's a crying shame and a wonderful opportunity to address the 83, 84% of us who simply go to work. 
Mm. We're not known, we're not really understood. We, we do well, we work hard, but work isn't a place in which you discover yourself, for most of us. For 83% of us, work is a place that you survive, mm. which so is a shame. It is a shame. Who's doing it well? Can you give some success stories for us? Of companies or of people? Either. Because I think if you look at, like, who are the heroes of the world of work? Normally, not that, you know, John today from Whole Foods is an extraordinary leader. Um, Sheryl Sandberg, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook are extraordinary leaders. Um, most companies, though, miss where the true heroes are. Like, who's doing this really well? Tens of thousands of unnamed team leaders are doing it well. Mm. Work happens on lots and lots of teams. There's nobody, very few people, all by themselves in a shed at the bottom of the garden, just making, you know, maybe Mozart, I don't know, maybe Beethoven, but most of us work collaboratively. And the people that do an extraordinary job of seeing us for who we are and getting the best out of us are our team leaders. We found that by far the strongest driver of engagement at work is simply whether or not you feel like your team leader is, is, is someone you trust and someone who knows you. Trust your team leader and the team leader who knows you, and you thrive, you blossom. And so we, we sort of missed where the real story is. We talk about leaders up here, but actually there's so much variation in what it's like to go work in a place, and the driver of that variation is the leader of the team. Now, as it happens, not that we're just on Facebook, but but I happen to think that what Mark and Cheryl have done at Facebook is extraordinary. They have a whole idea at Facebook that, that one size fits one, which is a, a lovely way to think about building an entire organization. Mm. When I first started to work with them in 2005, 2006, they didn't have but four or 5,000 people. Now it's far bigger. But the idea of there is only one size that fits you for, in terms of performance, in terms of recognition, in terms of learning. We've got to figure that out your team leader is the mechanism to enact that, but we can build an entire organization on human uniqueness. That's cool. Mm. And it's cool because we have children. And we hope that our children, when we go to work, will have someone who sees them for who they are and helps them become the most contributive version of that. That's what we, all, that's what we hope for from ourselves. Mm. I think Facebook has been the most explicit company in saying one size fits one, and that's not a problem. That's part of the, the joy of how people work. Mm. Do you think there are any cross-cultural differences in this? I mean, here in the Nordics, with more of a traditional, uh, sorry, a more of a flat business culture, less hierarchical, you might imagine that it would be perhaps easier uh, for people to be able to show their strengths than in more top-down structures. Well, that's perhaps true, although, frankly, when you do lots of interviews with great platoon leaders in the army, you find that, I mean, it's funny, this 19-country study, our basic question was, what explains engagement at work? Is it hierarchical structure? Is it power distance? Mm. Is it gender? Is it amount of education? Um, is it part-time versus full-time versus gig? Like, what explains it? Is it nationality? And simply by far the biggest explainer of the difference of what it's like to work in a place is whether or not you're on a team. Mm. If you're on a team and you're the frontline person in a factory, you are much more likely to be engaged than if you're not on a team and you're the CEO. Humans like to be working around people who are watching their back, who know them, who they, where they can collaborate. That's true in Finland, 
in exactly the same way as it's true in the United Arab Emirates. Exact, and the same is true in China. So although there may well be, and there are, in, in Finland and Scandinavia in general, there's, there is less of a power distance. There's more um, horizontality to the way that work is organized. Still, work happens on teams, some structured and static, some dynamic teams. But that's the way that humans everywhere have made, it's like we were talking about this at lunch, but a team is the apex human technology. It's how we figured out how to deal with the annoying truth that you're different than me. Well, the best way is to come together so that we can do together what none of us could do alone. Mm. That's a team. And it's as true here in Finland and Helsinki as it is in Buenos Aires. Very interesting insights. Um, one thing that you mentioned on stage, well, you went through nine lies in the work life. We don't have time to go through all of them, but I wonder yeah. if you have one that's your favorite or one that you'd like to elaborate on for, for those watching on the live stream that didn't get to catch all of that. Yeah, well, so <laughs> that favorite lie, that sounds funny, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so the, the, uh, the book is, is coming out on April the 12th, sorry, April the 2nd next year. 2019. Yes, 2019. By the way, for those who are watching, as I said on stage, if you want more than a book, then we're starting on October the 4th. We're doing this live series every month. We're just going to take a lie a month with Harvard. So hbr.org forward slash free thinking leader. And every month you'll engage with me and my co-author, Ashley Goodall from Cisco. And we're going to dive into, well, what does that one really mean? And what's the truth? Because some of these lies... I mean, they look like conventional wisdom. They look like they should be true. Um, I, I, I like the one I talked about on stage. What I talked about on stage is that well-rounded people are better. Mm. Um, but the one that I suppose if you and I were to chat over coffee or something about one, I would talk about lie number seven, which is people have potential. That's a lie, that people have potential. I think it's super insidious that we say in our companies, you have a thing, it's called potential, it's independent of any job you're doing, but you just have it, mm -hmm. and I don't. You're a hypo, I'm a lowpo, you get lots of opportunity and stuff, I don't. And it's one of those things that is so well-intended, we want to bestow differential advantage onto you, I guess, because we want a better return, okay? But it's awful for me. It's awful for me to know I'm coming to a place where this organization goes, you're sort of done. You can grow. You're sort of done. So if we wanted to really blow that up, we'd dive into, when we say people have potential, what are we talking about? Mm. And is it really true that you've got this bucket that's filled up with mine? And is that... Wait, let's... There's, let's there's been a bunch it. of gender research on that as well, that men tend to get promoted on potential and Completely. women get promoted on performance. When we take a concept like that and we, and we overlay well rescued. it, <laughs> and we overlay it on you, we stop seeing you. Oh, there's a thing. It's called potential. How much do you have? Mm. Right? And as you know, there's a lot of gender and, and race and some age bias. Take that away. If we were going to all be better at work, we would be a heck of a lot more curious We've lost a lot of curiosity. So that, second, that seventh lie is, well, if it's not true that people have potential, if that is actually a super demeaning thing to say to a ton of people who apparently don't have lots of it, then what do we have? Mm. 
If people have potential is the lie, then what's the truth? And I, I won't bore you with it now, but you can actually find a wholly different way of talking about people, having the belief that people can keep growing, everyone can keep learning. And frankly, in a, in a way, my gender, race, and age, or yours, are sort of the least interesting things about me or you, in which case, well, what should we be interested in about you? How can companies have a different way of thinking about you? Because if they can have a different way of thinking about you, then they'll have a different way of thinking about every person they hire. At the moment, companies simplify, and they do that because it's easier. It just fits into the mechanism better. But actually on teams, no good team leader simplifies because you have to deal with the reality of you and me every day. Mm. So if we can actually take so much more of a lesson from our team leaders who deal with the reality of our people and build our companies out of the truths of what happens on teams, and I don't mean teamwork, I mean, how does an actual team get the best out of six people or seven people? If we then build our companies around that, I think we'll not only get better performance and productivity, um, but we'll also make work the kind of thing that we'd want our kids to go do, and not just for the money. Yeah. I really enjoyed the stuff you were saying about how to love your job yeah. and how people should be inspired to do that. We're running low on time, but I want to pick up on the other one that's very relevant to this region, work-life balance. Also saying that's a bit of a myth. Uh, but it's something that's very much, uh, this region is very proud of having that. Well, that's a whole nother onion that we could peel. A um, couple of quick thoughts. A couple of quick thoughts would be that if you have balance as your goal, you will fail. Because it's a very hard moment. Even just the metaphor, the metaphor is wrong. To find that one moment when you're balanced is very precarious. That's what balance is, super precarious. It's not strong, it's not rooted, it's, it's very precarious. We do it because we think that our lives are made up of work, bad, life, good, work, surviving, life, thriving, work, have to do it to make money, life, we use the money to do things we love. It's the wrong apposition. Work isn't, sorry, life isn't sort of work life. Life is love loathe. We have to help people, nine-year-old children, all the way up to 99-year-olds go, how do you use life to fill you up? That is a really interesting life skill because what, some people would hate your job. You're doing this job and you're sort of, I hope, I hope, getting a kick out I'm of it. I'm loving it. The saddest thing is though, I've just been told we've only got 20 seconds oh, to go. Well, well, that's it then. <laughs> the timer's not quite right in front of us, but it's been great talking to you, Marcus Buckingham. As you say, lots more information about you online. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. To learn more about all things business, keep on listening to our following episodes. If you have any suggestions or comments, drop us an email at audio at nbforum.com. Until then, go make a change. <laughs>